Hello. This is a talk to explain the background of sacrifices in the Bible. The recently published Bible course by the Bible Society produces a very helpful outline of the Bible. And as part of the Bible course, they say that God gave Israel, when they came out of Egypt, three gifts when they came to Mount Sinai. Firstly, he gave them the law to show them that he cared. Secondly, he gave them the tabernacle to say, I am with you, I will live among you. And thirdly, he gave them sacrifices to show them that I have forgiven you. These sacrifices point to the cross of Jesus, where Jesus became a sacrifice for our sins. And this is the point of getting a really good grasp of what the biblical background of sacrifices were. I thought I'd start by reading a passage from the New Testament in Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 28. I'm going to read in the New Living Testament, New Living Translation. And you'll notice the focus of the writer Paul on the vital importance on the cross, seeing Jesus sacrificing his life. So let's read Romans chapter 3. It says these words. Now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his own blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those whose sins in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Today, understandably, there is a huge cultural gap between our understanding of sacrifices and the Old Testament practice of sacrifice. And in fact, the idea of sacrifice may not just be foreign to us, but also very difficult for us, almost abhorrent to us. And that is maybe in part because we don't understand the enormity of sin before God and how seriously it fends his nature. I think sacrifices are meant to shock us. 
let me explain. The New Testament describes God as light. God is light. And also it says God is love. God is light and God is love. Light is therefore probably the closest physical thing, if you can call it that, that we have to understanding the essence of God, that he is pure light, no darkness, no shadows, no double standards. This means there is no moral weakness in God. Moral means God always acts rightly and never wrongly. In God, there is only absolute moral purity. God is always completely right. God is always completely just. He is a God of justice and perfect in all his ways. The Bible words for this is that God is holy, God is righteous, and God is just. When the Bible says God is holy, it means that God is above everything he has made. He is outside of it. He's separate from it. Everything that has darkness, self-will, deception, conceit, or pride is contrary to and an offense to the character of God and to his very being. This, all these things are what we call sin. Sin is so far from who God is. It's so different to him, so opposed to him. He's not indifferent to it. God's light and purity and holiness means his only right response, his only just response to sin is to oppose it. It's known in the Bible as his just anger. This is not uncontrolled, petulant, selfish anger, but it's pure and direct opposition. It's known as the wrath of God, his judgment. And the Bible says that God's response to it is that he is like a consuming fire in his opposition to it. So God is light. That is who he is, and he cannot deny who he is. But God is also love. God is light, and God is love. He's not half light and half love, a kind of mixture. He's fully light. He's completely, that's all, in a sense, a representation of he is. He's fully light, but he is also fully love. And when the Bible says that God is love, it means that God is self-giving, he's compassionate, he's loyal, he's faithful. And this is giving love, giving of himself. And God loves the world. God loves you. God loves me. So how can God forgive if he's holy, righteous, and just? Can't he just forgive and forget? For us, we should always forgive. And there's two very strong moral reasons why we should forgive. The first is that we ourselves are weak and cause offense. So it's only morally right that we also forgive others who are weak and cause offense. We have no just cause not to forgive because we also make mistakes. But God isn't like that. God isn't morally weak. God has never made a mistake. 
he doesn't have to be like us and he isn't like us but even more importantly we should forgive because we have been forgiven and again it's only morally right that someone that is forgiven should also forgive but god isn't like that either so for god just to forgive just to act as if the offense never happened is against who he is it's not morally right for him to do that because he's holy and for god to forgive and forget would be denying his holiness which he cannot do some have described this as god's dilemma how can he forgive the unjust and himself be absolutely just how can he be the perfect judge and not judge how can he be completely right and make people right in other words there has to be a consequence for sin because god is just and this is the basis of sacrifice somebody else or something else stands in the place of the one who sinned and pays the penalty for their wrongdoing and god accepts that substitute on behalf of the sinner not any sacrifice will do not any payment but only the one that god provides will he accept and the offerer believes that this is god's provision and therefore god will forgive it is a gift from god to the sinner but since god provides it it's also acceptable to him it satisfies his wrath which is what atonement means it means to turn away or to satisfy the wrath of god so in the old testament the offerings that were made was still all of god's grace and it also required faith on behalf of the offerer to believe that god had accepted the sacrifice as you may remember from leviticus 16 on the special day of atonement the high priest of israel acts representatively for all the people so he is like a gift from god to the people to make atonement for their sin he is dressed symbolically in beautiful garments that represent holiness and he goes before god in this representative state of holiness but because he is a sinner he has to make atonement for his own sin first and then for the people and the reason the sacrifice was acceptable is because it's god's grace god's gift in god's place at god's time and it was always through his gracious gift leviticus 17 explains this i think extraordinarily well it says the life of the creature is in its blood in other words when you shed the blood you give the life it's a life in exchange for a life and then it says i've given it to you that's grace to make atonement for yourselves on the altar that's the place that god has designated it's the blood the gift of god that makes atonement turns away wrath for one's life but it was a temporary gift until a perfect sacrifice could come it was as though the sin was covered over until a perfect sacrifice could be made that could take it away could remove it far from us as you know that wonderful cry that john the baptist said in john 
29, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So on the Day of Atonement, sin was confessed. The sins were pressed onto the goat <clears throat> that was sacrificed and his blood was shed an offering was made and then another goat known as the scapegoat was led away into the wilderness symbolizing the removal of sin far from us and they watched the scapegoat go into the wilderness so god gave them these sacrifices as a picture a shadow of the true sacrifice which was to come the great sacrifice which the bible says that god planned even before the world was made. And the reality was that the blood of bulls and goats, animals, could only be a provisional covering by the grace of God. They could never take away sins. And the high priest who himself was a sinner could never offer a perfect sacrifice. The substitutory animal sacrifice was a gift until a more perfect sacrifice should come. Jesus' death was God's gift to us, provided by him. It made full recompense for our sin, the sin of man before the holiness of God. Thus he made atonement. He turned away God's wrath. A full price was paid for sin, and God reconciled us to himself through the cross, through the death of his son. He solved the dilemma forever, the plan he always had to do it. And this is how he did it. Jesus, as God, the perfect one, the perfect man as well, died in our places. In forfeiting his life as a per perfect sacrifice, Jesus as God and man paid the due penalty for our sin. And through his perfect sacrifice, sacrificing uh, his own holy person set us free from our debt. There is no longer any need, therefore, for sacrifices, because Jesus fulfilled the requirements of God's holiness once and for all, and he fulfilled all of God's holy law in regard to sin. And the good news is this is once and for all, for all those who would believe on him just want to close with the words of a wonderful song written uh, a long time ago in uh, 1863, but it's been renewed and revived in our day with a new tune. It says these words, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God, the just, is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. So the holiness of God is satisfied through the death of his own son. It is the shedding of the blood of God. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And it was the love of God that drew me and gave this gift. And therefore, God is satisfied by the sacrifice of sin. A price has been paid. The enormity of sin, the enormity of this separation with God has been dealt with. And we can come boldly 
before the throne of God with a perfect plea, a strong plea. Let me just read some of the scripture that I started with. I read these words. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ. When he died, he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented him as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, sacrificed shedding his blood. And God this to demonstrate his righteousness, that God is just, that God is right. He is fair and just. And yet he has made the sinners right in his sight when they, they believe in Jesus. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for the gift of the death of Jesus, where he gave his life for each one of us. He shed his blood, a perfect sacrifice that washed away and paid the full penalty for my sin, that I might be fully reconciled to you, that I might know you truly, that I might be pardoned and free to come into your presence as a child of God. I thank you that sin was so enormous. It was an offense to your character, but that didn't stop you bringing us back into your holy presence because by your love, you paid the full and absolute price for sin by sacrificing your son on the cross for us. And Jesus was willing, he sacrificed his life because of his love for God and because of God's love for us. This is truly good news. And we should always embrace this wonderful sacrifice that sets us free. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may this word uh, encourage you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.